You're listening to Show Me Your Assets. I'm your host, Dottie Dynamo, burlesque dancer and stripper turned personal trainer. This show is about sexy work, fitness, money, and everything in between. You'll learn how to train smarter, navigate body image in an industry that centers your looks, manage your money, and prioritize self-care and recovery so you can avoid burning out over and over again. While I have your attention, you should know I have the tendency to cuss like a sailor. So if you're in mixed company, grab your headphones because there's no telling what I might say. Hello, my sexy friends, and welcome back to another episode of Show Me Your Assets. This episode was actually supposed to go out last week, but un- not unsurprising to me if I think about realistically who I am as a human being and how much attention I put into my birthday. It was Memorial Day weekend, it was my birthday, so I kind of give myself that time off. And even though the podcast was ready to go, I hadn't obviously recorded this intro yet, and then I got a cold, and my voice was not really in a place where I wanted to do a lot of talking. I was also dealing with some personal things, and so I took that moment and I let myself not put out the episode and just take an extra week off. So If you are ever in that position and you are sort of struggling between that line of, well, this is what I said I was going to do, so this is what I feel like I should be doing versus this is the better choice for me in the moment, um, go for the better choice in the moment. And I say this as a person who struggles with this constantly. This is like a recurring theme in my therapy sessions, so I cannot say that I am excellent at this, but at the same time, it is it's a practice right of that checking in with yourself and being like okay i told myself this is what i'm going to be doing so this is what i feel like i should be doing and holding on to that should or that narrative versus going hmm maybe the best idea is to do something else so here we are 2 weeks late with this episode but this is um a great episode for a segue on the fact that I was just talking about therapy and a theme in my own therapy sessions because today's episode is with guest host Lucinda. Lucinda is a stripper, a therapist, and the founder of S Wellness. S Wellness is a non-judgmental wellness support for anyone working in stripping or any other forms of sex work, adult entertainment, or erotic entertainment. I have been following Lucinda on Instagram for quite a few years at this point from back when I was using Fit Showgirl as my main Instagram handle is when we first started interacting and first started following one another through the transitions my business has made to using um, money coaching as well as still the fitness. So we have been developing a friendship and a sort of rapport over the internet for a while. So I was really excited to bring her on. And one note I do want to make and something that is a very strong value of my business and as a sex worker is that one of the caveats to having Lucinda on this episode was that we disguise her voice because she does work in therapy and she has these other avenues of her life and she is not out as a sex worker or as a dancer. We took some time and it did take quite a bit of back and forth and figuring out how we were going to do this to disguise her voice so that she could come on the podcast and share a lot of her insights and her wisdom with you. 
while still protecting her identity. So this is something that is very important to me in this industry. And that while some of us have the privilege to be out, there are many of us who do not for various reasons. And that is something really important to make sure that we respect among other dancers and other sex workers, whatever form of sex work that takes. So let's go ahead and let's dive into this conversation with Lucinda. Hi, Lucinda. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm I'm really looking forward to this too, because, you know, we've been following each other for what feels like at least a year or so on Instagram. And now I get to sit down and have a chat with you. Yeah, me too. Glad to do it. And like you say, meet face to face virtually. But yeah, I really enjoy the content you put out. I think financial wellness is like the root of all wellness. So yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yes. Um, well, since I, I kind of know a little bit of your background through our DMs with each other and just following you, but for those of my listeners who like don't know who you are, maybe don't follow you yet, can you give a bit of, bit of your background and what you do and how you came to start S Wellness? Sure. Okay. So I always say, and it really is true that I'm not a natural born stripper. I started stripping at 38, but my dancer age was 34. Of course. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd already been out on the workplace for like 15 years and had a job, you know, that was considered one of the professions kind of thing. I had loads of work experience before that with the part-time jobs I did at high school and uni. And then, yeah, I was not in a great spot in life. I'd always kind of wanted to perform. Had actually, I think when I was about 13, I'd kind of imagined being a stripper, but in a very like non-naive, non-sexual way. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a go. And it wasn't an easy entry, but I eventually got started, eventually started making money. So that was 2011. And then a few years later, I started training to be a therapist. So then, you know, for about the last five years, I'd been practicing as a therapist. So that's like my day job. And I've increasingly been part-time stripping. Mm-hmm. I'd always had an interest in wellness since before that anyway, because I'd had some mental health challenges as a teenager and some physical health challenges too. So I've learned quite a lot through my own journey towards health. I do love that you are also another dancer who started a little later in life. Like I didn't start till I was 28, which still at the time felt like I was older than so many of the dancers. And I don't think it's common for people to start that late in life at like 28. So I can't imagine for you getting started dancing at 38. Um, And I know that's one of the things we've connected on a little bit is like being an older dancer. How was that for you? Like getting started later? I mean, comically bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in terms of my audition process, I had some really comically bad auditions. I mean, you know, I did feel kind of held back by it, but I was like, you know what? effort Uh, you know it's now or never Mm -hmm. Um, I love dancing to music you know it's like I'm gonna go on stage dancing to music I'll give it a go you know working at night kind of fitted with with the other things I had going on because it was looking like I was going to increasingly need to care for someone who's terminally ill so it was a tricky time to be honest with you So I think not so much because of my age, well, partly because of the age, but because of the other stuff that was going on, I found it quite hard, just because of what was going on in my own head. Sure, you know, managers, I went through a few rejections, but 
it's hard to say whether that's because of my lack of confidence and stripper vibe or my age, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think I particularly look 38, but I obviously did not look 21. Yeah, I think that's the big thing in the industry, right? The ageism, of course. And how much of that are we internally putting that on ourselves? Like we're projecting like, oh, well, I'm older, so that's going to be an issue. And how much of it is actually real? Like there obviously is some some realness to it um, between like, yeah, auditions, managers, sometimes even other girls in the club and customers. I totally relate to this idea of like this internal ageism. It's really held me back. And if if I could go back to how I was in my early 40s and be like, listen, lady cakes, you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> like it would have really changed things because I was very informed by a sense of this finishing line, that there was going to be this finishing line to being able to make money and had lots to put in place before I could stop dancing. I felt really pressured time-wise. And now I realize that this is really a myth, you know, the finishing line. Mm-hmm. You know? Customers have actually probably been the least of my worries. Have you found that too? I definitely have found that. I find that um, I actually do really well with the customers. And I think it is sometimes that one of the benefits of being an older dancer is that I can hold some conversations, um, a level of conversation that a lot of the younger dancers um, just aren't at that level yet. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Like when you're in your 20s, you maybe can't sit down and have an in-depth conversation about like, politics or finance or world views and sometimes the older gentlemen are they love that aspect of sitting with me is like oh I can sit and have those conversations with you and I've also had other customers say like they'll ask my age and I'll be like do you want my real age or my stripper age and if they're an older person like I'll tell them my real age and then there's usually a sense of relief like oh mm -hmm. I feel better now like that you're older, you're closer in my age, like because I'm 60 something and you're 38 and that feels better to me, more comfortable for me. Yeah, it's not always true that guys just want to see young women in the club and some people just actually sort of, I've had customers say, I feel kind of disturbed. It doesn't feel appropriate to be looking at these women who, you know, could be like my daughter's age. So yeah, you know, there isn't all customers, is there, you know? Smith. There's a lot of variation. I mean, yeah, management, definitely gatekeepers. I mean, you know, when I was stripping full time, you know, I was in a flow state with it. I had my regulars. I never got into fights, you know, I never got too wasted. And there's a famous venue in London. I went to audition, but they don't hire any dancers over 30. And, you know, I just thought, I understand you have a brand look, but within that look, there could be diversity, right? You know, and so, you know, I remember trying to get in there and I'm like, look, here's what I bring. I have my little much appreciated, you know, group of customers I'm going to be bringing. I'm going to be on time. I don't get fucked up, you know? Yep. I've got X years of experience under my belt and that's why I'm older. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's a real shame. And, you know, I used to lie about my age and very recently I'm kind of like, look, take it or leave it, right? which I suppose is the truth for any of us as a dancer. We're all a bit different, either take us or leave us. Yeah. So I'd love to circle back to S Wellness because I know that now you're just dancing part-time, like you said, and you're doing more of your day job is in the therapy. And obviously wellness services are so important for this industry. And I think there is a lack of finding providers who are open um, and accepting of the industry. So what would you say, like, 
do you see as some of the limiting factors in sex workers like actually seeking wellness services? Well, there is just that issue of, you know, so making a decision, right, I've got a new practitioner, clinician, whatever kind of therapist we're talking about, you know, do I tell them what I do for work and then I get accurate health care? But I may get like an enormous side helping of judgment, curiosity or pathologizing. But if I don't tell them, then I'm not getting accurate health care. So I think that is a big concern. But I think the difference between now and I guess we probably started around the same time, you know, is that we weren't connected online in the way we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I started stripping stuff was not like Instagram was still felt felt very much like infantile at the time. Like you posted photos of your food. Like that's what Instagram was. There wasn't this connection of people using it for business or like sex work things being there before that it really was like stripper web and like deep dive Google searches. You could sometimes sign YouTube videos and that was like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. In terms of wellness, I'm committed to looking at things from a holistic point of view, just from my own experience and the learning that I've done. And I can't wait to do more learning, by the way. And S Wellness is about trying to help people make those connections. But but there are other services out there, certainly in terms of finding talk therapists like Pineapple Support or in the UK, National Ugly Mugs. Those are the ones that come to mind at the moment. Zep Wellness. So there are some. It's accelerating. So, yeah. Are there any sort of tips or suggestions you would give to people who are wanting to like reach out and like find therapy or find some sort of wellness service and they are at that crossroads of like do I be honest about what I do or do I withhold it um like what would you suggest for something like that or even maybe I know you just mentioned a couple of services but like a way to find a more open and accepting service provider I think it has to be word of mouth and through networks there is some challenges around directories because if they're not verified and then someone might say they're a sex worker ally but they might not have been verified there is that issue the other way I actually used this to find a therapist myself a few years ago because I was looking for a hypnotherapist to help with my sales because I'd gone into a rabbit hole rabbit warrens in my mind in terms of my stripping I'd gotten into a bit of a funk and so the way I tested her out was by kind of saying okay, so I actually want to talk about something to do with sexuality, just to see how her body language was like. Did I hear her skip a beat? That was one way I did a tester, you know? Okay. But I don't think that's so necessary now. I do think there are ways to connect. I do think you could find genuinely verified people, but online, in person, maybe a bit more tricky. Yeah, the online thing is a very nice thing that we also have now, therapy online. Um, Mm. Because I don't know about you so this is a sort of another question to that like tips and suggestions I feel like it's really hard when you are seeking out those services to feel like you with have to withhold a part of yourself Mm. because we often have to do that in so much of our lives already to have you know two separate lives and compartmentalize things is a very much a part of the industry and the job and so having a therapist that you can just be completely open with seems like Mm. such an important thing for sex workers yeah um i mean let's say take a hypnotherapy example maybe you want to give up smoking or something like that you may not need to disclose what you do or it may not be totally really relevant but for the most part i think it is really important to be able to be authentic in the therapy room because otherwise you are kind of wasting your time and money 
if it's a paid service. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it is really important to be able to mention it where it's relevant and know that the therapist is not going to get hung up on that as some kind of sign of pathology, you know? Yeah, I think that's always um, a fear. I know it was definitely one of mine when I first started going back to therapy once I was stripping of that, like, if I bring this up, are you going to latch that on to where all of my things are coming from and like what happened in my childhood that led me to want to be a stripper when like those things are where maybe there's correlation because life but ultimately like this is just the career I chose yeah yeah for real but also to be able to kind of talk about you know where it does impact like you know we need to be able to talk about the more negative or the more challenging impacts that there are without that becoming a conversation around well you should leave Yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking of like that sort of idea of like the negative sides or more the emotional impact as not only like a was like 13 years now that you have been dancing, I think based on. Okay. And also as a therapist, like what are some of the more um, major emotional impacts that you see and like how those surface not only in our work, but daily lives? Yeah, so because I like to look at things holistically, I will just say that messing with the body clock and looking for different things to give you energy to work nights has an impact on us emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. So emotional regulation is harder. It's harder to make change. It can create like brain fog, you know. So that's one thing I would just say is a kind of baseline of health and wellness. I think issues around self-esteem... So, you know, if we get rewarded for being this kind of sexually attractive person at work, although we know stripping is not only about sexuality, it's also about intimacy and company and escapism or whatever, but, you know, sometimes it can be easy to kind of fall into this pattern of only feeling good about yourself when you're getting attention and so your your esteem, self-esteem can get sort of throttled. So that's one thing. Of course, the body image issues. Yeah, I think those are huge for this industry. Also, the idea, I think, which has, it gets perpetuated that you have to have a certain body before you can start stripping, right? Like you need to have a stripper's body to be a stripper, but ultimately a stripper body is just a stripper who has a body. Yeah. And what I'm loving about the way that we're seeing more and more kind of stripper led initiatives coming up is that there's more diversity, body positivity. And again, like, you know, I do think that, you know, management is missing a trick by not allowing a range of shapes and sizes and ages and, you know, ethnicities and everything. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think, you know, you mentioned potential impact, uh, the issues around the taboos and the anxiety of that. Definitely addiction. Stripping can exacerbate addiction just because you're partying, you know, you get paid to party sometimes. Um, and then issues around boundaries, you know, and just again coming back to the idea that financial wellness underpins other kinds of wellness you know the insecurity of the income yeah that that is one of the things I have on like my notes to touch on is like dealing specifically with that financial anxiety and inconsistency of the industry because that that does perpetuate its own sort of anxiety because if your income right is inconsistent and income money is a form of security that can become stressful. Yeah, it it can become stressful. But yeah, I think it's important to differentiate like financial wellness from having a sufficient income. 
I think you can you can be someone who has good money management skills, has good attitudes and beliefs around money, you know. Maybe has had savings but then hits upon hard times. So, you know, there's a sort of it's good to kind of like pass that out. But the insecurity, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that people underestimate. For the most part, I've worked in venues where like the earning potential was maybe lower, but it was more consistent earning, which I was happy with. You know, for me, like in my dancing, it was in my 40s, I just wanted to be really sensible with the money. I just wanted more security. So that was really, really great. Unfortunately, that kind of got taken away for me. Um, but yeah, I never really got on well with the whole sitting up to five in the morning, maybe making nothing or maybe making money. That didn't work for me. Yeah. There are definitely clubs I've worked at where it's that like one, you might go in one night and you're happy because you left with $200 and the next night you're going to make thousands. And I have clubs that I have worked at now and my home club in Brooklyn were like, I know I'm always going to leave with a certain amount of money. Like I'm never going to make insane amounts of money, but it's going to be a consistent amount that I can count on. And that seems, I'd rather have that than almost the promise of like, I can make a few grand tonight. Like I'd rather show up every night and know I'm going to make a certain amount of money. Yeah, for real. I guess it depends what's going on in your life, you know. Maybe you're just kind of dancing for a bit of fun for a few years or to enable you to allow you to travel, you know. It depends what else is going on too, you know. Definitely the gambler's thrill, I think, is really compelling and I recognise that in myself. So even though I've worked in these venues that have, you know, some of them haven't had VIPs, you always think, Ooh, am I going to have a great shift today? There's always that carrot dangling in front of you. So yeah. Definitely. And since we're on like this topic of financial wellness, because obviously like wellness is a spectrum. If we even think of like the societal determinants of like health, then of course wellness is our financial wellness is part of that. So where do you find sort of that link between a person's financial wellness and the rest of their well-being? Yeah, I think definitely. And this goes for any job where you're self-employed, you know, not having paid holiday, paid sick pay. I know in the States being self-employed means you don't have employer provided insurance, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're in a job where there is not that there, then, you know, if you don't have those wellness skills, which anyone can develop, by the way. But if those skills are not there and you have a back problem, you might still have to work. You may not be able to get to that osteopathy or that massage or take that time off and the problem might get worse or cause other physical problems. Or if you get, I've certainly had times in my life, traumatic is a big word, but I've desperately not been enjoying stripping, not wanted to be there, not wanted to have someone in my intimate space in that way. I couldn't stop and that felt emotionally damaging. And so there's that. And also you're more able to deal with the anxiety of the irregular income, if you've got some savings or so. Listen, Having money may not make you happy, but not having money can definitely make you unhappy. Yes. Um, right. I love the whole saying of like money, money brings happiness. And like there is, you know, there's a tinge of truth to that because those people who do have enough resources financially to provide for themselves and have a little extra, their quality of life is going to possibly be better than somebody who doesn't have those. Um, and I, there's also that realm of like how you see things like those some people can have all of the money and still be greatly unhappy and there are people who don't have enough money who are vastly happy so 
that is also right. It's a, it's a weird spectrum, happiness, financial security, money. Yeah. It's always nuanced and there's no, everyone is individual for sure. But yeah, I do. I just think definitely for stripping and possibly for other kinds of sex work, it's just a core building block. Yeah, that definitely, when you are in those times of your life where there's something else going on and you you really don't want to be doing your work or maybe something, you've had a trauma-related incident, but unfortunately you have to keep working to be able to provide for yourself. Those can be really trying times. Yeah, I think the other thing is particularly to the sort of stripper sales environment is that if you've got other stuff going on in your life or you're under the weather, you're burnt out, you know, your body language, your ability to bring the party will have been dulled down. So you may get to work and find you're getting a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. and find you're not making money. And so that gets you even more down and then you don't make money and it's like this vicious circle. So that's the other element to why. The other reason why I say it's kind of a building block in this particular industry. Yeah, that's very true. Because if you go into work in a not great headspace, that is, you are going to like project that energy out, whether you're realizing it or not. And I do think that can be where the addiction comes into the play or the drinking too much because we're trying to escape. I mean, I, I can honestly say that I've done that. I did that recently when I was in New York. I was like, I was too tired. I had things going on outside in my interpersonal relationships. And so I came to work and I was like, I'm going to have to have some drinks tonight if I'm going to be able to do my job. And it's an unfortunate sometimes reality and it's hard. Yeah. You know, I think the 2080 rule, it's when it becomes your norm, like you have no gears, you know, you have to get wasted every night to get through it. But just going back to the idea of financial wellness being the root of everything, that doesn't mean that you need to start there. Like if you're someone who's got major physical issues or someone has major emotional issues, of course, start there. Start with where's most urgent. But then when you maybe your nervous system is re-regulated or your back pain problem is improved, maybe then cycle back to looking at financial wellness. I should just say that. Yeah, that's an important thing to note because, yeah, if you don't if you don't have those gears, like you said, if the getting wasted every night is what you have to do to get through the job, also, it may not be the job for you. Mm. I think that's that is my number one tip that I tell people when they ask me about dancing or if I see someone who like has to get drunk at work every night. I'm like, if you, if you literally cannot get through a night of work sober you maybe shouldn't be doing this work. Yeah, well, just definitely, you know, stop and stop and take a moment to look at, at where you're at with your addiction. Yeah, it can be a very fine line. And in a in a sort of tangential thing, it does lead to that burnout, right? We were talking about the energy that you bring into work. And I think when we are in such an emotionally and physically demanding job, and then we also have lives outside of it, burnout is essential is like it, it's going to happen do you have some specific insight or tips on on limiting burnout or dealing with it once you find yourself in a burnout yeah I mean I will say I've been there quite a few times of stripping and so there's no shame you know because we don't you know when you do other jobs you know you generally have like a day or one week induction right mm-hmm. like or, you know, you do an apprenticeship or something. There isn't that here, is there? There's more information now, but, you know, we're effectively working on our own. So, you know, it can take 
some time to realize you're getting to burn out. And you know, when we're burnt out, it's probably when we're feeling anxious about making money. So we may not make the right decisions for our health because we're, you know. So there can be a lot of self-perpetuating stuff going on there. So I think it is about once you realize you were burnt out, you know, if you can take a break, you know, but if you can't take a break, there are ways to deal with it. So, you know, first of all, just check what you're fueling yourself with, you know, so move away from things that could create sugar spikes and then crashes to more steady forms of energy, you know, try and move away from getting wasted if it's in your capabilities at the time. Yeah. I definitely the yeah I think adding the alcohol to the burnout is going to perpetuate burnout. It does, you know, because it makes you more tired long term because you're depleting yourself from a nutritional point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think little things like taking mini breaks throughout the day. So it's really important to have time when you when you're not listening to anything. There's no digital input. So little breaks. It could be like doing legs up the wall, you know, that pose from yoga with something over your eyes um it might be doing a breathing exercise you know whatever works for you it's it's very individual and then also just having a bit of you know kind of saying like what can I discard I've got to go to work but can I maybe this is the week that I don't go to the gym and instead of going to the gym I do a restorative yoga class or I do nothing yeah I think it's important to realize that we can't do everything all the time I just start to look at, I like to give an example of like dimmer switches to clients of like, sometimes like one has to just go on low. So the other one can be on high and everything else is just, you're just keeping the there at the middle. Yeah. And something I've been thinking about actually through someone I've met through sex worker wellness work, who's got this self-care for sex workers workbook, babe XX 69 XX is rest. I've really been taking that on board more lately because of her work. Um, you know, professional athletes, they rest as part of their training. Rest is a skill that they, you know, practice. And so it's important to remember we can't be productive all the time. But when you're not being productive, it's important to have intentional downtime and not just get glued to cat and baby videos because your nervous system isn't truly resetting. Yeah, you might be numbed out, but your nervous system isn't actually in a restorative state. The other thing that can be good for a burnout phase when you can't take time off work is seeing if you can schedule something. And this doesn't have to cost money, but it's doing something that's different to you. So it's the idea of a change is as good as rest. So, you know, it can be that you meet up with a friend who's got a dog and you walk their dog with them if it's not in your norm or something like that. That's just a chance to break state, as they say in NLP, and get out of your hamster wheel. Yeah, to break out of your normal cycles can be a really good thing for sure. Is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about that you want to touch on? Um, In terms of wellness? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've been thinking about recently is just starting to become aware and I hope I I know this can be an anxiety inducing topic to become more aware of the toxicity of a lot of beauty products that are out there on the market I've been starting to read about that and I've been trying to navigate that I think it's really important especially if you're someone who perhaps has spent a lot of time in some skin covering product like a fake tan or something like this to make sure you do take breaks throughout the year 
when you're not getting acrylics on your nails, you're not using any glue, you're not putting anything on your skin and you're allowing your body to reset just as a bit of a balance. Yeah, that's something I've been looking into. And I appreciate there's a lot to this topic and our looks for our money and so on. Just something I've been thinking about. Something else I've been thinking about is reliance on cosmetology. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and beauty, there are some beauty treatments that you basically just, they only have temporary effects. And if you're in your 20s and 30s, you know, could you delay getting some of those treatments for a few months and just put some money into savings? Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, money and savings, money and savings. Like, I feel like I can just say that every day, all day long. And you don't realize in your 20s how important it is to have money and savings. And I think it's because when we're in our 20s, we just, we can't even imagine like 20 years from now or 30 years from now, how important like even five, 10, $20 in a savings account can be um, so that you're not the 38, 40, whatever year old stripper. And you're like, wow, I had all that money dancing, you know, five, 10 years ago. I wish I would have saved some more of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, psychologists have identified these cognitive distortions that every human brain engages in. They're sort of like processing errors. Um, one of them is present bias, where we're more likely to take an instant reward that is smaller than a bigger reward that we're going to get down the line. It's important to be aware of that. And also, you know, saving doesn't have to be denial. It could just be like, for four months of the year, I act like I'm broke and siphon that off. And then the rest of the year, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, there are different ways of dealing with it. I'm also someone who management practice has had really severely negative impacts on my life. And I suppose this is where the ageism of the industry has impacted me because of maybe not feeling like I have so much choice. I found that hard to deal with. It is it is hard to deal with. I'm starting to experience it and it is it's not a nice feeling because of ageism. Yeah, like on auditions, I have I've experienced it a couple times um or even if a manager hires me, there is a comment about that I look good for my age or specifically bringing up my age and like and it's starting to happen into a point where like it 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 definitely is a little sticky feeling. Mm, yeah so with that I think because I started so late I knew I was an outlier so I just accepted I was going to get comments about my age or turned down um, one thing I would say is that I don't know the US market at all but in London and the southeast of England things that have stood me well are just to keep going keep persisting with additions because you will find enlightened managers and also there has to be we have to dial down our reactivity about age in a way you know, when people say that to me, oh, you look good for your age. I always joke and say, couldn't you just stop that sentence that you look good? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I understand that they are surprised to see an older dancer. But, you know, one thing I did, I'm not saying this for everyone. I'm not saying this is so related to age, but because I got shut out from some venues where I could see my regulars, I started my own event with some friends I know we're in different situations, but in terms of the age thing, there are ways and not to give up. Look, I never expected to be dancing at this point, but it's possible. Yeah. I've got a whole theory about the right kind of anti-aging, which we can get into at another time. But with the management aggression or abuse, I was actually thinking about things that weren't related to age. Okay. Yeah. I was really shocked because I'd been in other jobs where, you know, sure, they weren't perfect, but it was kind of like, 
wow, this is just kind of bad business, leaving aside the human rights aspect. But the thing I would say that really helped get me through that is community. So you can look into joining a union, or for me, it was finding the East London Strippers Collective. It really helped in lots of ways, not least with regards to that work pride thing. It made me feel very different about my job, so that would be another thing I would put out there, would be finding a collective or a community of people you can link with. Yeah, I think finding community, your community in this industry is definitely a really important thing to have. People who understand you, they understand your business, there's not going to be any shame around it, and which you can connect and actually share truthfully with no fear of judgment, um, 100%. Yeah, for sure. But just back to the ageism thing, you know, I'm sure you can hold your own and I'm sure the customers are delighted to see you. Exactly. So I know you can't put this on the air. (laughs) There are two middle fingers up. We're just going to add that in. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, to those, I'm hoping that management will start to get with the program really and see because you see that there's evidence. I mean, MILF, stepmom, I believe... Pornhub had them as some of the most popular search terms in 2022. People want us. People want us. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is definitely hope for you if you are getting into dancing older or you're starting aging and you aren't ready to stop dancing. There's there's no reason why you have to. Yeah. And you know what? From where I'm sitting, <laughs> listen, you know, if you are, you know, you said just 38, you're still a baby. <laughs> I very much feel that way. That's why and I'm just like, oh, seriously, come on, I'm 38. Like, <laughs> And also women in general feel these pressures, not just sex workers, right? But like where I'm sitting now, like, oh my God, I was stressing at 38 and I had so much collagen. I would do anything for that collagen. <laughs> I mean, I do practically do anything to get that collagen. Joke. Yeah, it's also society. But yeah. Uh, I hate to end our conversation, but it is about that time to sort of wrap things up. I have really enjoyed our chat today. I feel like we had a really well-rounded conversation and hit on all the things I think we both wanted to talk about. And it's been an absolute pleasure to see your face and like have it in-person meeting via the internet thank you for the existence of the internet (laughs) so i was gonna say where can um people find you online so on instagram it's s wellness e double s underscore wellness the s is for sex worker by the way and then online it's s e double s hyphen wellness.com okay And thanks for respecting that I've needed to disguise my voice to do this interview. I'm using a voice actor to read the transcript of my words. And thank you so much for having me to come and talk.